You're now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We get into the journey of their life, how they got to where they are today, the doubts, the fears, the ha-has that went, they went through along the way, and how they get through the day today. Because I believe that our feelings of being enough, of being worthy, of being fulfilled, successful, lovable, are not out there somewhere. Once I have this job, make this much money, have this car, the perfect partner, family, whatever it is, then, then I will feel enough, worthy, successful, fulfilled. Doesn't happen like that. If you keep putting it outside of yourself, you'll just keep on chasing it, chasing it, chasing it. So it's up to us to claim it for ourselves every single day, sometimes every moment of the day. On today's episode, I have Jenny Schatzel. You guys are going to love her. She is changing the conversation on body image, self-worth, and the power of movement. She's a TEDx speaker. And when we recorded this episode, she was getting ready to release her own book called Breaking the Cycle. And it is out now. So let's get into the episode and see what Jenny has to say. All right. So I usually start with like how I was introduced to the person if I know them ahead of time. And you, I got to know from you shopping my products, I believe. <laughs> yeah, totally. You, you're an enthusiastic supporter. Um, and then I started following you because I was like, who is this person? She seems pretty awesome. And we got to meet up in person last year in Santa Barbara when I was there, which was, uh, was that last year or two years ago? Mm-hmm. I think it was last year. I think it, uh, it's all a blur. <laughs> it's all a blur. Like, I don't even know. It's all a blur. <laughs> Anyway, so let's see. I like to get in people's like whole journeys. And the only thing I really know about you is fitness. So where did like you find and discover and become passionate about fitness in your life? Was it something like early teenagers? And I'm guessing your relationship to fitness and why you're passionate about it has maybe shifted over the years, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was, I was an athlete. I'm the youngest of three and we were all, uh, my brothers and sisters were all, we were all athletes and always in sports and doing activities. And to be honest, when I was in college, I, so I'm from Minnesota and then moved to California and started going to school and I just had no idea what I wanted to do. And so, um, I got a gym, I got a job working in the front desk at Gold's Gym because I couldn't afford a gym membership, but I loved to, to work out and I loved to dance. So I was like in high school, I was on the dance team. I, I was always a dancer. So yeah, so I kind of turned my passion for dance and sports into training and teaching group fitness. And so, uh, which was actually never really the plan. I just, I got a job at the front desk to, because I wanted to work out and take classes. And and then the, I did a TED talk and I kind of explained this all in my TED talk, but um, the group fitness director one day, I was like obsessed with her and I went to all her classes and she was, to me, she was everything. She was beautiful and fit and confident. And I mean, I followed her around and I just, I loved everything about her. And so one day she came up to me and said, you know, Jenny, um, you seem to have a lot of energy and people like you and you're, you're really loud. So you, you should let me teach you how to teach. And, uh, my initial reaction was no, because I was very insecure. I was like 19. I was very insecure. And I looked at her as being everything I wasn't. 
And so I was like, there's no way I could do what she does. And so actually, after months of her persuading, she, I finally said yes, and she mentored me and taught me how to teach. And the story goes, the first class I taught, half the class walked out. And <laughs> Sorry. I was not good at the beginning. That felt great, I'm sure. Yeah, that, that was awesome. That was awesome. So if you're listening, and I, I did a TED Talk, which I'm very proud of, and it's it's, um, it's, I believe it's a really good story and it's a really good message. And I, I go into all of this in the beginning, but you know, the moral of the story was, um, there was actually, it went on for a while where people were leaving and complaining. And so one day she came up to me and said, uh, she had a, she had a box of the comment cards from the gym and it was all comments about me. And it had said like, Jenny's too loud. Where she, her name was Shanda and where Shanda, we want Shanda back. Jenny's too loud. She's off beat or me, blah, 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 all these things. And so I was on the brink of tears and I, and I said to her, God, it makes you want to cry. Every time I tell a story, I, I like am taken back there and it makes me want to cry. But, um, I was on the brink of tears and she said, I said, why, why would you do this? Do you, do you want me to quit? Why, why are you telling me all this negative, all these negative comments? And she said, she said, do you love people? Do you love music? Do you love teaching? And I'm like, yes, yes. And then she said, but do you love you? And nobody had ever really asked me if I loved or liked myself. And it was at that turning point, she was, she, it was like one of the greatest lessons. She just said, not everybody's going to like you. And when you're authentically who you are and you own it and you teach from your heart and you do things from your heart, that's when things work out. And it was from that moment on, I fully embraced my loudness and I went for it. And within weeks, it was like, I always say it was like a VIP nightclub. People were standing in line to get in. The, the class was huh. 20 years later. I've had my own studio for seven years. And, um, you know, now, now I'm on a, I'm on a whole, I'm, a, I'm like to say I'm on a whole other path. So I did fitness for almost 20 years and now I still, I own a gym in Santa Barbara. And okay. I want to get here. I want to get back into, I like to like really get into the story. So we'll get to where you are now. Um, a little bit. So at that age too, you're how old you're in college. So you're in yeah. like, I was like 19, early 20. Yeah. Early 1920. And, um, and you said you went to college. You didn't know what you were going to do with your life. Just go. Okay. High school, then college. Right. Yeah. And I actually, that's, I left Minnesota. Like I had never been to, I'd never been to California. I was a senior in high school. And, um, like I said, I'm the youngest of three. My sister is nine and a half years older than me. And I was just going to do whatever my sister, I, my sister did all the things you're supposed to do. And so I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And so I was going to go to the university of Minnesota. I already had my dorm. I was already in her sorority. I was like, check, check, check. And one day I'm sitting in class as a senior, probably two months before school got out. And this girl said, I'm going to California and I need a roommate. And I went home that day and said, mom, I think I need to go to California. And she said, I think you should go. So I was the first person in my family to leave and packed, uh, two months later, I packed my car up and drove out to California and I lived in San Diego for the first year and I didn't love it. It was really, um, it was a really culture shock for me. I, I tell the story a lot too, but I, um, I called my mom probably a month in, I called my mom bawling and saying that I wanted to come home. I said, all the, all the girls here wear mini skirts to the grocery store. I have nothing to wear because I was a total tomboy. I had short hair. I love sports. I love people. And I felt like there, there was especially girls there. And again, I was 19. I was insecure, all the things, but I, there was like 
people weren't that nice to each other, I found. I don't know, coming from Minnesota to California. And then, like I said, I just, I thought everybody was so beautiful. And again, this is my insecurities. But uh, my mom is a very sweet, Midwestern, loving, enabling woman. And it was the first time she actually stood up and said, you, she said, you can't come home. She said, you wanted to go out there. You have to stay for at least one year and then you can come home. And thank God she said that because 20 plus years, I'm still out here. So to all the moms out there, tough love is a good thing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so where did you, so when you went to San Diego and yeah, you just like followed your friend, followed the feeling. And was that where you joined the Gold's Gym was in San Diego or was did you, where did you move after San Diego? Or was so I went to I went to San Diego and then um, I actually met some very I met a good group of people and they brought me to Santa Barbara and if anybody's ever been to Santa Barbara there's a town the college town is called Isla Vista and it's literally just a town full of kids it's the most amazing place you will ever be if you're a 19 year old who loves people and loves to party so I went there and I was like oh this is a Disneyland for adults. This is the most amazing place I've ever been. Everybody just house hops and it's on the beach and everybody parties. And so randomly, there were two girls from my high school in Minnesota that had lived, that were living in Isla Vista. And this was before Facebook and all of this. So I had to like call people to call people to call people and I got their numbers. And so I called them and said, hey, I'm now living in California and I'm coming up to Santa Barbara. And they were like, great, come come hang out. And so then, of course, I went there and they were like, hey, we have an open room. So if you want to move here, and I moved. And then Santa Barbara was where I never left. And I just loved it. And I thought it was a beach town. People were cool. It was mellow. It was more my vibe. And so it was then that I got the job at um, at the gym. Got it. And so, uh, so, yeah, you were just at the gym working. Okay, I became love this teacher, Shonda. Was that her name? Chanda, Chanda. Yeah. and then she yeah so when she tells you that oh she sees you as being uh, an instructor yeah like what made you first like did a part of you feel like oh my god I want that but it was just like the insecurities and doubts and fears that were like being louder as if like no I can't do that and made you keep saying no for months yeah absolutely it was all the things it was um for sure my I mean I had no idea who I was I was super insecure I had a lot of body issues. I had, I mean, I had body issues, food issues, alcohol issues. I mean, all the things. And so, yeah, I just looked at her and and really never saw myself in a position that she was in. And so it was a turning point in my life. But again, like I said, I loved people and I loved, I loved movement. And so in music and crowds, and when I was on stage, something felt right. It was very hard and uncomfortable, but something deep down felt right. And truly when, um, you know, when that, when that switch happened, when it was really starting to own my authenticity and who I was and growing into that, and then the following started to grow and the classes got popular. And then the gym came to me and said, Hey, you know, you, you're doing this so well at this. Why don't you, we'll pay and get you certified. Why don't you become a trainer? So then I became a personal trainer. And it was at that point, actually, I quit school and, um, I knew I wanted to do fitness. And that was what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure exactly how it was going to pan out. And to be honest, at that point, too, my family and all my friends, everybody's like, and this was before, like, Facebook and online and everything. So everybody's like, you can't make a living being a trainer. Like, yeah, that's a good side hustle. And that's 
good for you. Like, oh, have fun, but just know that this. And so this is some of the best um, career advice I ever did, ever took was. So with that, uh, still being very insecure, I thought, okay, well, so I know I want to be in fitness. I could do like PR or marketing for a gym. And then I could get like a corporate job, which is a real job, right? But stay in the fitness. So for a summer, I did an internship in the gym where I worked in the in an office for the marketing department of the gym, which was just a, lo- a local place. They have three locations. and But I thought, oh, this will be this will be great. A month into it, I knew at that point, I knew what I did not want to do, which was work in an office. So I was like, I don't care how much money I make. I don't care how this looks. I do not want a corporate job and I do not want to work in an office. So I tell every young person, do all the things and figure out what you do not want to do. Because from then on, it was easier to make decisions because I knew that I would never be a nine to five person. Yeah. That didn't fill my soul. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Because back then, now the fitness industry is like so much different. Like even now, I'm sure someone in college, you know, I'm sure parents because parents are parents and they want your kids to be safe. And so you have to have a job with a this and a that or whatever. That's a form of love that they want everybody to be safe. So they can talk you out of your dreams. Um, so I'm sure these days that is still coming up, but also it's a bit different. You know, there's fitness is like ever, like everywhere and everything. And there's so many types. So yeah, back then it had to been like, you're just going to work at a gym. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's exactly how it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that's cute. Have fun. Like, you know, you could get a job and like, just go to the gym. You'd have that same feeling, right? Like, I'm I'm sure that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So what do you feel like when when that was happening and you were getting that that feedback of she's too loud or this and then she brought the comments in front of you? And yeah, I can't imagine. I can't like the confidence of standing in front of people to teach anything, I think, is like whether you're a school teacher, a fitness instructor and anything like, you know, I did yoga teacher training back in the day and I did start teaching yoga on tour as part of my geologist work. But that was like, again, for like a handful there was maybe one time like 10 people but I would still even be like for one person it was like nerve-wracking thing to be like me telling you like it I thought it was nerve-wracking to be even like instructing one person and it took a while to get like comfortable with that and I still would be like a little bit nervous so I think that takes a lot to be standing in front of people because there's people especially humans we're so judgmental of everything (laughs) want to pick everything apart and especially if you're like oh what this person's too this that I don't she's not like this and want to compare yeah they want to compare you to someone else that they've had or this so when those when that was happening and there was a shift you know after that but first like do you remember can you think like what you were doing that like you know like that were like these people that were leaving and stuff like how did that make you feel and like what made you even keep showing up before she even gave you those comments because you were noticing people are leaving so something's like whatever and like oh yeah what made you keep showing up even and saying okay I'm going to teach another class I think it's really important to have mentors young adults and as adult older adults I think you need to have people in your life that you respect and look up to because you don't want to disappoint them and, you know, that can go one of two ways, but I didn't want to disappoint her, Shanda. And it felt good to have somebody that believed in me, somebody that I held to a very high standard, see something in me before I saw it in myself. And so that's what I didn't want to let down. And so, um, and I always say, you know, you can't change for other people. You can't do anything for anyone else. But it was the push that I needed at such a young age. 
so I I really I owe her so much and of course it, it was soul crushing to to have her stand there and read those comments and but again it was it was pivotal and I I'm a I'm a believer in I mean if anyone's ever heard me public speaking or the things that I put out I'm I'm I believe in tough love like we we gotta we gotta we gotta be truth talkers and we gotta call people on their stuff um this is another thing is as an adult I say never surround yourself with yes people like you your circle should be people that will be like yeah I don't agree with everything you do let's talk about it yeah so I'm I'm a firm believer in those people that that really because when you respect somebody and they believe in you, you want to do well and that feels good. Yeah, I know. I'm like so the same way. And of course, getting feedback, especially like, you know, that is not necessarily like the most positive is so hard, but I think it's so necessary. And I think it is. I feel like more and more these days that that's what happens, that people like if they don't like something you do or say, instead of telling you, they'll just stop talking to you as much or do this or like act fake or you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's too much like letting people off the hook for fear of like conflict or being or maybe even, you know, I think people also buy into like, oh, people aren't going to change. I believe people can change. And sometimes they need to know like we are just like always act as if everybody knows what they're doing and knows how that's landing and knows how that felt when you did that or say that. And also we're humans and we react out of different things. Right. I remember and speaking of when you're talking about moving to San Diego and you didn't like it. So I moved to San Diego from Chicago. Uh, I was 22 and I had just gra- I was working at House of Blues, learning to be a sound engineer, but also graduated with a degree in audio arts and acoustics because I made sure to get a degree and I did something that was like actually what I wanted. But anyway, so I moved to San Diego to work for one of the top live touring companies in, in the world to make this dream of mine come true of being a touring sound engineer. And I remember being in San Diego after several months and calling one of the like crew guys that I used to work at House of Blues. That was one of my buddies who's a lighting guy and being like, like everybody's like too nice here. And I was working with road guys. Like I was working with rough production guys. Again, like it's mostly guys. We all that's what you do was like tease each other and our smart asses or whatever. So that was still happening in San Diego. But I was like, nobody's calling me on my shit. And it's so annoying. Like, why won't like if I'm like in a pissy mood and whatever and acting some way, like people just stop talking to me. Nobody's calling me on my shit. I need someone to call me on my shit. <laughs> It's probably too, it was a bunch of dudes and you're like the only female. So they're like, we don't want to upset her. We don't want it. Right. It's like, that's that's the whole thing too. Yeah. But that was the same in Chicago too, but it was like a different, like whatever. The guys are a little bit older and maybe more mature or whatever. Like, yeah, maybe they didn't know me as well because it was like newer, but like, I was like, come on. And it was like a funny thing. And that's actually something I've noticed a lot in my life is especially because I'm a strong personality and I'm independent and I can say like what I think that a lot of times people won't like tell me like, Oh, that was offensive or blah, blah, blah. I don't like when you do that or whatever. Like they just like, don't. And I'm like, no, I resp- I want to hear, like, I'm not perfect. I'm a human. Like I want that feedback I- and it's hard. I hate feedback, but I want it. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like- Wait, I always say, I always say feedback is a gift to always remind myself that, you know, and you can, I mean, you always, I always have to take everything with a grain of salt. I mean, you've, you've worked with, and I say this, it doesn't matter if you're famous or whatever, whatever you do, if you're on a stage or your mom or whatever, but like your, your friends aren't your fans. Like you shouldn't be surrounding yourself with people that are, you know, like, oh my God, you're amazing. Oh my God, everything is, because that's not how you grow. 
And so, um, but also with that being said is, as I'm learning as an adult, and a lot of this therapy and a lot of self-work, self-work is, you know, it's awesome for people to love what you do, but with every high is a low. So if you're living for validation from others and for people to tell you you're amazing and you're doing a good job, then the crash of when people don't like you and when things go wrong is going to be even harder. So I try to now as an adult, as a 40 year old woman with twins, try to live as a, you know, like I, from this lesson when I was 19, do be authentically who I am, move from my heart, do what I love, do what I am, my purpose here and what I put on to the earth. And if people love it, I am so grateful. And if people don't, I'm also grateful. Hugs to you and we can go separate ways. So it's trying to keep on this level playing field of just always wanting to have a growth mindset and wanting to grow in the right way and not getting spiked too high or too low, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's the whole point. That's the reason the podcast is called Claim It is that that is what I'm like saying is that you know, our feelings of being worthy of being enough or being successful of being fulfilled, whatever it is, aren't out there somewhere. Once I get this, have this, be this, once everybody like tells me I'm awesome or this or, you know, I reach this level of success, then I'll feel this way. You'll just keep on chasing it if it's always outside of yourself. So it's something we have to do the work for every single day, sometimes every moment of the day <laughs> of claiming that for every yourself. Of the day. Yeah. And that's part of, and not to like switch gears and we can go back whichever way you want to go. Um, but it, it's truly, it's part of now, you know, my mission has changed a little bit. So now I'm on a mission to change the conversation on body worth, or excuse me, body image, self-worth and movement. And I want to help women feel good about themselves and live the life they want, not the life they think they should. And you know, I love that. That's that's what I'm writing my first book about is eliminating the shoulds from your life, the word and the feeling and everything. There's so much shoulds out there. And that's yeah, so many people think I and I think that it's so important to keep bringing that up and for so many other people to bring it up in different ways, because I don't think most people are even aware that they're living, you know, their life based on other people's expectations or the shoulds that, you know, until you start to point it out, then to see oh, yeah, is this even what I want? Does this feel good to me? Or am I just doing this because I've seen X, Y, Z, because it's a should, because it's, it's the next step in life or whatever. Um, yeah, I want to go to your new mission. But going, even going back to the back to the um, when she asked you that, but do you love you? And then you start book, you know, then the classes start exploding. What did you do differently? Was it just like you started to own who you were? Like, do you feel like before she gave that to you, you were like loud and maybe feeling bad about it or like you didn't have like you were like being you, but also like, you know, struggling with yourself. Like how, what changed from her asking that question? But do you lo love you? And you still remained loud and that was it just you putting like because you knew like I'm doing things my way and like owning it, that it shifted the energy. Yeah. And, you know, I think I was trying really hard to be her. So I was like trying to do everything the way she did it. And that, so, and that we all know that, that never works. And people see through that. There's no wonder people laugh like, oh, you're not being authentic? Absolutely. People see right through that. And so I didn't realize that's what I was doing at the time. But then, yeah, that's, I was, you know, I was trying to be somebody else. And I was trying to impress her rather than raise the level of, you know, my ability. So that I think there's a difference, you know, kind of when I say like, we should have people that we look up to. And want and I and I think like we, we shouldn't want to impress them. We should want to raise our own level because they see that in us. 
So that's kind of the difference, you know? Right. So, like you're not I doing it for them. Pleasure. Like you want to impress them, right. you want them up, but you're not doing it for them. You're like, oh, yes, I want this, but you want it for them. But it's like, or you want it for yourself. It's like you, the most important thing is to be wanting it for yourself. Otherwise, you're just yes. like, again, you'll be chasing that feeling, feeling, did I do it enough? Do, do they like me enough? Did they, this, like you're looking for that external hint instead of, oh, this feels great. And I'm doing it what I want. And Bonus points, they're probably, like, impressed with me and, like, <laughs> acknowledging me as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just – and then after that, it just took off. And so the personal training – and I worked at the gym for a long time. I worked for seven or eight years. And then um, and then I left, and I went into business for myself as, like, an independent contractor and worked at a little boutique gym doing more personal training. But I just – I still – I miss the groups, like – my heart is in big groups of people, which is now this is also a shift with everything that's happening in the world right now. Um, but I just I loved teaching classes and having groups of people more than I loved the one on one. And so um, I actually met my business partner, and um, and then we started the Jenny Shassel program, which is now Bond Fitness. We just rebranded in the last year, but um, yeah. So the story about that is. So I was, I had gone into business for myself. I was doing personal training out of a boutique personal training studio, but I missed the, the classes. So I actually went back at night and just taught a couple classes back at the big gym at Gold's gym because I missed it. And I just wanted to do it because I loved it. And so, um, my business partner at 47 and I was, he's like seven, 17 years. He's older than I am. Anyway, he was in his forties and he had walked into the gym one night and the, the story goes is he was in a really toxic relationship and didn't want to go home. So he joined the gym to have somewhere to go after work. And so he was in his forties and never had really, he was a runner, but, and had never been in a gym. He always worked out outside or did whatever. And so he, he my, my business partner, Steven is, I mean, he's just, he's brilliant. And so he can, he walked into the gym and he didn't know what he was doing and just kind of walked around and nobody showed him anything. And so he walked upstairs and he saw all of these people running and working out and, but there was no connection. There was no sense of community. Like everybody had their headphones on. They were either listening to music or looking at themselves in the mirror or watching TV. And so there was no, he didn't feel any sense of, and he's like, all these people are here pretty much for the same reason. And there's no, like, there's no feeling of togetherness. And so then he walked downstairs and I was about to teach and there was a huge line like down the hallway. And so he went to the front desk and said, what is this? And they said, oh, it's um, Jenny's cardio kickboxing and it's our most popular class. And so he went in and he was like, oh, my God, this is something. He's like, look at all these people. And again, it was kind of he said it was the, he had the same feeling. There's all these people yet. Nobody was like talking to each other or, you know, everybody was in their little groups and clicks. And so there was like, you know, a room full of 60 people. and yeah, there was no like sense of community. And then I came on and he was like, Oh my God, well, this is something, this girl's got something. And so after class, he said, he came up to me and said, you know, if you ever want to take this to the next level, I can help you. And I was like, okay, weirdo, like, get, <laughs> like, get out of here. You know, like, who, what are you, old man? What do you want? Like, sure. Um, just took your first fitness class ever. And you're telling me you got, <laughs> yeah, right? And at this point, like 10, I mean, I'm in my, I think I'm in my early thirties. Like, I mean, time had passed or I was probably in my late twenties. Time had passed. And so, but then I was like, you know, what does this guy want for me? This is weird. Like it's, you know, and it's funny too. And again, we, you know, you gotta be safe and everything, but it was, I look back now and like, why was I so like right off the bat? Well, why does this guy want to help me? Right. And so 
and we talk about that a lot. And so, and not being open to like, oh, again, my insecurities because he saw something in me. And so, um, anyway, months went by and he came and he, one day he, he brought to class an article about Oprah and about the Oprah effect. And he said, if you ever wanted to get to this level, I could help you. And I was like, all right, what do I have to lose? Like, this guy's obviously. And so, yeah, so then we became business partners. And it was a beautiful, it was a match made in heaven. And he's my best friend. And he is just, again, he's he's like, he's another mentor. He, and, but um, we worked together for a couple years. And we started by doing, to take it outside of the gym, we started by doing $5 classes in the park every Saturday morning. So every Saturday, anybody could come. And this is when we had, I'd come up with this whole, like, it, we used to call it boot camp. So Jenny said the boot camp. It was kind of when the boot camp craze was going on. So I'd come up with a six-week boot camp program that I did um, in the mornings and in the evenings. And so to promote that, we started doing, he had this idea of let's do a $5 class on Saturday morning. You could rent a park for like 20 bucks. And anybody could come. And this was kind of when Facebook was just getting going. And so we used Facebook for everything. And um, we never paid for marketing or anything. And that was the marketing is that people would come, we'd get their emails, they'd have this great experience. And then they, and it was only five bucks. So they didn't feel like they, you know, every grandmas and kids and everybody could come. And so then I filtered those people into the boot camp. And so, I mean, I would cold call people and say, hey, I think you should do, I'm starting a boot camp next week. I think you should do it. And people are like, okay. And so um, we started doing that. And then I stopped doing the personal training and I just committed to doing these boot camps. And I rented space out of gyms all around town. And then the classes just kept growing and the gyms were getting pissed because there was, I was bringing so many people, like the other trainers were getting upset and we're taking, so then finally in 2013, we opened our own space. And in two years, we grew out of it. And now we're in a bigger location right downtown Santa Barbara. Psst, Trisha here bringing you a brief interruption. You want more joy in your life? You want some doses of inspiration? Some little nudges to get out of your own way and to see how you are thinking about your life and shift it? Go download my daily inspiration app. You can get it in the Google Play or the Apple App Store, it's called Own Your Awesome. It's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. It's sort of like a virtual card deck. Um, you can come into it at any time, and it, like Magic 8-Ball, gives you a card. You can swipe through to choose cards. You can hit the Show Me a Card button. The card I just got is I get to live my life by my rules. I create my life. You can hit Show Me a Card again. I let go of expectations. I create powerful possibilities. Oh, that's a good one. We're so often setting up expectations and then getting disappointed by our own expectations. So you can create powerful possibilities instead. You can also go and set a daily reminder time so that every day at the same time, you get a little nudge to go pick your card because, you know, we're humans. We forget to do the things that make us feel good. So Set a, set a time that you'll get the nudge and come to it. There's also a journal in the app. You can easily share the, the cards that you like, hit favorites and start a favorite collection. So all sorts of thoughts, affirmations. I just got another card. It says baby steps are steps. Take one today. 
So you never know what kind of message you'll get and it might hit you right where you need it. You might be like, maybe I need another one, but I often find we get the card we need. (laughs) So go to uh, the app store, type in Own Your Awesome. You can also gift it too. And it's only $3.99. There's never any other fees. There's no advertisements or anything. And I add cards throughout the year as well. So only $3.99. Boost your day. Send it as a gift as well. Spread that joy and the own your awesome message with the people you love. All right, let's get back to the episode. I'm wondering, so in that whole process of like him, you know, propositioning, he's seeing something in you, saying he can support you. And then also as you start to grow, and even I'm guessing in this world, fitness world, that there's competition and like, yeah, like even the trainer's getting pissed. And also, you know, I'm sure that there can be talk like, oh, she's not that good or blah, blah, blah. Like, what was your emotional journey with like, okay, this guy sees something in me. Okay, we're going to build this business that's based around me and like how awesome of an instructor I am, you know, where it's like, you know, like, did you struggle with like the self-doubt and like, oh, I can make this happen? Like, you know, and like, did you struggle with that? What kind of thoughts come up? And then like, how did you again keep showing up? Yes, excellent question. And I also wrote a book that um, was supposed to, I was, we were going to launch it before all of this. And I would say the universe has your back. So COVID happened. So we're going to launch it probably in the next couple weeks. But um, Oh, awesome. Then it'll be out when this yeah. uh, comes out and we can link to it. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's good. Weeks or months are just, you know, it's hard to say right now with everything going on. But um, yes, so I'm eight years sober. So I am an alcoholic and I, uh, this could be a whole other podcast, but yes. And that was part of my, I go very much into this in, in my book, but it's, um, a lot of it was needing the, the validation. And, you know, for a lot of it, I just did what I loved. Like I loved teaching so much that, yeah, I would slap my name on it to give it that personal connection. But I, I think that was like, I didn't feel like it was about me. It was about all of us. You know, it's about the community and, and, but the Jenny Shaffer was just to give it more of a personal connection to create this community. And, but it was very hard. And, um, this is a, you know, another, again, this could be a whole other podcast, but right before Stephen and I, so Stephen, the beauty of Stephen too is he never came in and was like, I'm going to fund this. I'm going to do all this. So when we went into business, he said, I'll, I have a picture. I've done this post before. There's a picture of me signing a check on the top of a car right before we, we opened our gym, the first, the, our first um, place. And I'm writing a check for my entire life savings, everything I had, which wasn't a ton, but it was literally everything I had. And I will never forget, I, I handed that check over because he's like, if we're going to go into business, we're going to be 50-50 partners and you're going to have, you know, and, and so, and I remember handing that check over and saying, are you going to lose this? And he looked at me and he said, I can't promise you anything, but I can tell you three things right now. You're going to meet a lot of people. You're going to make a lot of impact. And you just made the greatest investment you will ever make. You invested in yourself. So no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. And he was absolutely right. But then there was a point where he he saw my drinking kind of going. I, I definitely was living this double life, like super healthy, you know, Monday through Friday. And then. I mean, I, I'm a very extreme person, so it's very all or nothing. So when I did drink, I drank to the point of blacking out. I, I drank to excess. I never had just one beer. And so 
and I'm super fun and everybody loves it. So I always got away with it and I'm a really good bullshitter, you know, it's like, I swear, I'm sorry. And so, um, yeah, so I, I figured I could, I figured, so I figured I could. So he said, so when we first started this, he said, you know, I want you to quit drinking for six months to prove to me that this isn't an issue. And so I did it and I quit for six months and my life took off. But I went into this like tunnel of, um, I went so extreme to the other side because I quit for someone else. So I didn't know like what to do with myself. And so I got so hyper. I mean, all I did was work, restrict my food and work out. And I lost like a ton of weight. I, our business took off because it's all I did. And keep in mind, I was like single at this time. And, uh, I think it was, it was on my 30th birthday. So this is, I was 30. So it was on my 30th birthday. And so, and everybody's like, oh, I'm getting all these acc accolades. Everybody's like, Oh my God, you're, you look amazing. You're so amazing. All this. Oh my God. And everything really did start to take off because I'm thinking clear. I'm not drinking. I'm totally focused. I'm all the things. I'm like running the fastest I've been. I'm literally the leanest I've ever been. And I'm probably the most insecure I've ever been because I'm like, who am I now? And so, after the six months, of course, like the next day, what did I do? Drank. It's like anything, you know, it's like, oh, I'm giving up carbs for 30 days. What do you do on day 31? All the carbs. Right? <laughs> like, give me all the bread. It's like, of course. So I didn't get sober until three years later. And those next three years were very messy. And we were building the business and it was awesome, but I was definitely living a double life. And I went to a convention one day and a trainer business person Todd Durkin that I also really look up to he one day he's giving this speech and he said in order to be a leader you must be the example and I wrote it down and I wrote 10 11 12 I'll never drink again and I have it and so I realized that I wasn't being a leader that I was a, I was telling people to you know do all these things and live this healthy lifestyle and then here I am like hiding things and you know I'm drinking at that point so I started drinking on my by my because I was ashamed and guilt and so and I'm drinking by myself and it's all the thing. And after quitting for that six months, when I started drinking again, it actually got worse because I was so confused on who I was. Like my business and my body and everything had changed, but I did it for someone else. And I didn't truly do it for myself. And looking back now it was one of the greatest lessons I ever learned because you as humans we if we change for someone else it will not last. And so it wasn't until I was ready and I was sick of being unhappy and I was sick, sick of living in guilt and shame and I didn't want to live my life that way anymore that I made the change. Got it. And that was a lot. To be clear. No, I love it all. Um, to be clear, just yeah, like it wasn't like, oh, for your example, it wasn't like, oh, nobody can be a leader and still have any sort of, uh, you know, alcohol in their life. It was your relationship to alcohol and what it was doing to your life and all that. One million percent. All the, just to be, you know, again, because I don't like to, for anybody yeah. listening out there, I like to project that. It's not like, yeah. So it wasn't necessarily about no, the alcohol. It was, but also all of the things that went with it. For me, it was about alcohol. Yeah. So it was, my dad's an alcoholic I and I was walking that path. And I knew, and, and I, I always knew deep down that I, I really believe we all have this thing that we do. It's our way of numbing out, whether it's alcohol, food, Netflix, pills, shopping, gambling, porn. It's like the thing that we use to numb us out that brings the amount of guilt and shame so high that I really believe 
anything that we do that brings guilt and shame that doesn't make us feel like our best dogs is a problem. And, but I was also drinking to excess. This was my issue. Like my husband drinks, my friends drink. My husband can sit and have a beer. I can never, I'm an alcoholic. I can't sit and have a beer. And so, yeah. And, and so I really believe it. I think I believe that we all have this thing and it's all the same stuff. Like people will say like, Oh, I can't relate because I don't have issues with alcohol, but I'm in the pantry at 3am eating all the food because I'm so unhappy and I'm numbing myself. And we, I truly believe that when we love ourselves, we don't hurt ourselves. And so if we're doing things that bring on guilt and shame, there's the issues with the self-love. And so I was still at this point, very insecure and very, you know, not knowing who I was and not loving myself and not accepting myself. And so I drank and I ate. And, and so that was, you know, and then I got sober and then the food thing was a whole other, I mean, we've, we've all got our stuff. And so it was a beautiful thing though, when I came out with this and, you know, I wrote a blog on being on the fact that I hate, I'm sick. Hate, what is it? I hate saying I'm sober. And I feel like, you know, that word has such a negative connotation, but literally it's all the same. Whether, like I said, whether it's food, pills, alcohol, it all leads to the same finish line, which is an unfulfilled life. So anything that doesn't make you fulfill, feel fulfilled is something that you got to put in check. Yeah, isn't the actual like definition of sober, it's not like to do with alcohol. Like it's like being clear in consciousness. Like it's something. I, what? I want to. L- I love that. I've, I've never. Yeah, we got to look that up because I've never even heard that. Well, I heard it on. Hey, I've never even looked that I've up. heard it on Dak Sh- Shepard's podcast because he is sober and oh like God, from the AA. He, you know, he is in the AA world. And so they use the term sober. Like, yeah, you can still not be drinking, but like not acting sober, you know, because of that. Um, and so he not. Uh, damn it. These definitions are <laughs> I'm like when I looked it up, like these ones are have to do with alcohol. Make or become sidebar. more serious, gonna, sensible, or solid. I will totally sidebar it here. I saw um, Kristen, his wife, Kristen Bell. Yeah. Is it Kristen Bell? Yeah. Yeah. Why am I? That doesn't sound right. Um, I saw her live at, she randomly, I did not know she was going to be the speaker at this thing I went to. And she, it gives me goosebumps. She's outstanding. Like, if you ever get a chance, if anyone listening ever gets a chance to see her live, talk about being so authentic. She was as real as they came. She talked, she, oh my gosh, you would love her. She's like, gosh, she talked a mile a minute. She went in 50 million different directions. It was like one of the best speakers I've ever seen. Sidebar. I can't find, I'll have to like, yeah, link, but uh, one of the definitions I see right now with that doesn't have to do with alcohol is just like sense, serious, sensible, solemn. And it wasn't, that's not what he was saying, but yeah, like just even if you say like sensible, it's basically like, yeah, like, so he was like, that was sort of, I guess what they were saying in the A, like, you know, like. You can, even if you don't drink alcohol or do drugs or anything, you can still be acting like not sober because you're sort of like not acting like consciously, you know, like, yeah, sensible, I guess, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And no, totally. um, What was there? There were so many things that came up when you were talking. But yeah, that whole, you know, like, yeah, the shame and guilt and all of that. Like, that's another part of like that I'm writing this book about should. Like, that's a lot of the chapters, too, is that, that when we're doing things based on should or because other people told us to because it's we're supposed to, but it's not necessarily a want because that's my word shift. So we go out of should and then switch it to want. So what do I want or even how can I make this should be a want? So whether it's like I should exercise today. Why should I exercise? Because I need to lose five more pounds because I'll fit into these jeans because blah, blah, blah. Like that's not going to make you feel good. Why do I want to exercise? 
because it makes me feel good, because it makes me, you know, more awake and aware in my life. So I want to exercise. So even sometimes it's still doing the same thing, but shifting the word choice and seeing that everything in your life is your choice is like, and so because of that, then you're more aware of your choices. And so then there is less resentment and shame and guilt and blame because every choice that you're making, you are being accountable to like, this is my choice. This is what I want. <laughs> yeah. And totally. Oh my gosh. Can't wait to read your book. And, um, a lot of it too is again, no matter what it is, cause it's all the same stuff, the alcohol, the food, we're not willing to get to the root of the problem. So my root is that I don't think I'm good enough, you know, which goes back to the story of my dad, which I mean, you know, we can go to back a million different places, but it's for the most part is so many of us, we don't want to sit in our own feelings. So we do everything to bypass it and we do everything to numb ourselves out. And so that's part of the work that I'm doing that I do on a daily basis, but in trying to help women do because ultimately if we don't change the conversation for ourselves, we don't change it for our children. And, um, you know, as a new mom, which my kids are now going to be three, but it's, it's a huge part of my life that I refuse to allow them to grow up with the body issues that I had and the food issues that I had. And so, I mean, I can't control them and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But if I want different for them, I, I have to be different. So, um, in order to change the conversation, I have to break some cycles. And so I, I can't break it for them, but I can show them. And so that's, that's the goal. Yeah. And that is the, the big thing. It's like, yeah, like, uh, you have to face yourself and that's even this uncomfortable of like changing, seeing the shoulds and wants, and it's like facing yourself and what's motivating this. And that's what I was thinking too. So when you finally, or when, yeah, not when you finally, I guess you did finally, when you got sober and you made that choice, when you saw, okay, I want to be this leader, uh, I'm guessing then, yeah, there was a whole lot of facing realities in face like that like like it's like yay I'm sober my life is changing but there's really like oh fuck now I have to deal with these things and I have to really see oh my god it's my- so much it's so much yes yes and you're like oh yeah this is why people don't stay sober because you have to feel all this stuff yes it's so hard and it's so good and it's so freeing and it's so beautiful and I'm so happy and I'm I have the most amazing life and I, and I'm not ashamed to say that. And I, you know, I work every day on fully accepting myself and, you know, saying I'm capable of my full potential and doing all the work on a daily basis because it's gotten to me, it's gotten me to this beautiful point. My, my whole goal in life is freedom. So, you know, I, I want to be free from outside validation and I want to be free to do what I authentically want to do and live my life. And truly, that that's the goal. And yeah, it's daily freaking work for daily, all of us. No matter daily. how much work <laughs> you've done, no matter how much work you've done, no matter how much success you have, no matter like what your whatever is, it's like it's daily work because it's just constantly coming up. And yeah, we have these like stories. And yeah, like I definitely have a lot of I can a lot of my stuff I trace to like when I'm like, okay, what is this feeling? What is this thought? Why am I feeling like I should do this? It's a version of I'm not enough. Like, oh, there it goes again. Trisha, you're feeling like you're not enough and like struggling that. And so it is but constantly doing the work and noticing what you're feeling and thinking and then like asking yourself these questions. And be like, oh, there it is again. That's me telling myself I'm not enough. That's me. And then constantly coming back to yourself and like, what do I believe? What do I want for myself? Because the outside world, 
and trying to like get validated outside is so tempting and it is like it's constantly going to be something that we struggle with because of course we want people to like us to love us to want to you know be in our world but it's like it has to come back to but wait at the bottom what what feels best to me what do I most want it's a constant well and it's Absolutely. And it's human nature. Like we, we're going to care what people think. You can't say that. I don't care what people think. It's human nature. But with that, we're able to change the conversation. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling judged or I can keep asking, like, why does that bother me? Why do I care? Why, 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 why? So I can stop myself and be like, or when I'm judging, right? Like if I see somebody and I'm like, oh my God, what is that person wearing? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. first of all, shut it down, Shatzel. Like, why do you care? Who, who are you to judge what somebody else is wearing? Why does that bother you? Like, I always ask myself, why does that bother you? I have a really good story about, you know, I think anytime we judge, we when we know this, if you're somebody who does the work, it's like anytime you judge somebody, it's you know, it's open wounds within yourself. And so I always remind myself of that. And so I don't want people judging me. So I and and our first thought is what we've been trained, you know, it's, it's yes, but our second thought and our actions are who we truly want to be. So I always remember that. Like if a, if a thought comes up, I'm like, I'm supposed to be this like super positive, you know, non-judgmental person. And here I am judging for that person. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I've been trained. So now I get to change that conversation. So I'm not going to beat myself up for thinking that I'm just going to now stop and say, so I tell everybody, this is, um, I have, you know, that negative voice in your head, give it a name. And a lot of people have said this and a lot of people do this, but you know, it's like, not, not today, Trisha, you know, it's like, you got it, you know, not today, Sally. It's like, give the voice a name. So then when my voice comes up that says like, oh yeah, you need to lose some weight or you need to do this. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, no, 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 not today. Because I'm unlearning all those things because losing those 10 pounds actually isn't what's going to make me happy. Accepting my body as it is right now does. Oh, bam, change the conversation. And it's, like you said, it's constant, constant work. But I went and saw um, Gabby Bernstein. I'm a big fan of Gabby Bernstein, Gabrielle Bernstein. And her book, The Universe Has Your Back, is, I really love that book. And I read it a couple years ago. And so I went to see her live. And then probably like a week later, I went hiking with my friend who's like an energy therapist, amazing woman. And so we're hiking and she asked me about it. And I said, you know, um, I was like, yeah, I really liked her, but... I, you know, I, I think I like her books better than I like her live. And she was like, well, why? And I was like, I don't know. She just, I don't really feel like I connected with it. And she's like, well, why? And she just kept asking me why. And I was getting pissed because I was starting to get all like, like, I don't know. And I was just like, and I just, she's like, yeah, but why? And then I'm like, oh, I don't know, because she's so put together and she's so pretty and her hair is perfect and she's so stylish and she just looks beautiful on stage. And, and, then, and I'm like, oh my God. So I struggle with, like, I'm not somebody who wears makeup or likes to do their hair or likes to wear jeans. I wear workout clothes all the time. And one thing I really wish I had was a better sense of style. I really wish I knew how to do makeup. I really wish. And so for me to see that made me jealous. Bam, there it is. So it's not that I don't like Gabby Bernstein. She's fucking amazing. It has nothing to do with her. It's my shit. Right? And that's always my reminder. Like, when I'm judging somebody else or when I don't like somebody else, it's actually my stuff. And then too, like, if I don't like somebody, like, if you don't like coffee, drink tea. Stop talking about how much you don't like coffee, right? Like, promote what you love instead of bashing what you hate. And I think as women, 
this is where we need to change the conversation. We are bashing one another when we should be lifting each other up. And we're doing it because we're jealous, because we're paralyzed, because our underlying story is that we're not good enough. So we get upset with people when they believe in themselves and when they fully authentically show up because we wish we could. And so we get jealous and we get angry and then we talk shit. And it's not okay to be bonding with one another over talking shit on other people, especially if they're not there. And it's not okay as women that we sit, we bond over what's wrong with us. Like, oh my God, have you seen my belly or my thighs? And like, as women, we've got to, we really need to raise our level of conversation with one another. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you have made that conversation. Like, because those were things like I stopped doing a while ago, but I don't like remember to share or, you know, it's like, because it feels like something like, okay, like I sorted through this. So I don't remember. But it's like, yeah, I remember at one time being at a point like, it's normal like that you get together with friends, especially like old friends, but any friends and you gossip and it doesn't always have to even feel like it's negative. Even just like you talk about everybody, you know, oh, did you hear what so-and-so is doing? Do you do this or whatever? But I was even starting to feel like that stuff of like just asking everybody about everybody else like that didn't started to feel good for me. And so I always like went by the saying like if I wouldn't say like, let's just bring it back to us in this room who we are, you know, and talk about us. But also like when you start to talk about people, then like if I wouldn't be saying this to that person. Person, I can't say it to you right now. And what I realize is normally when I want to call and like, or when I bitch about somebody or talk about somebody, you know, like, yeah, it's because it's something upset that it's because of like, oh, well, I'm judging them or they're doing something I wish I had or like, you know, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. How dare she do that? And she has so much help and so much money. And like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, oh, that's me being like, how dare she have complained about her life because she has all these things. I don't like, so yeah, it's like, you can see like, in yourself, like, why am I even like getting so upset about this? <laughs> like, it doesn't, yeah. How does this relate to me? Why is this triggering me? And that doesn't push us to do better. That's the other thing. Like, whether whatever you're doing, you know, whether you're just like, whether you're a mom and you're just like, you know, trying to be a better, oh my God, first of all, being a mom is the hardest thing you will ever do, hands down. Stay at home mom should make a million dollars a year. I can't even like, I can't do it. It's too hard for me. Honestly, this is being home with the kids is the hardest thing. It's like, it's so difficult for me. And so I'm not like, don't get me wrong. I love my kids, all the things. Being a stay at home mom is so hard. And so when I, I, I want to know that, I want everyone to know that I believe that is the hardest job and it is a job. So whatever it is, like, you know, you're trying to, or you're trying to build a business or you're trying to do an online thing or whatever it is you're trying to do obsessing about other people's businesses or obsessing about other people will not make you better. It does not make your business better. It does not. Everybody will, well, I'm doing research in this. Yes. But if something makes you feel less than and makes you second guess who you are and what you're doing, that doesn't push you to move forward. That only paralyzes you. So I'm a strong believer too. If somebody that you have on either your social media feed or in your life makes you feel that way, that is somebody that you should not be looking at or surrounding yourself with. You want to be lifted up in the positive ways, in the ways that like, yes, feedback is a gift and it should push you to be, to do better. But if somebody makes you feel unworthy and less than that's, that's not the direction you want to be going. No, so, same. You know, yeah, it's like there's part of it like, okay, like look at where this is, you know, triggering you. But also if like you're constantly being triggered by somebody, like I'm like, you don't have to keep putting yourself in the fire. Like, 
You know, like you don't have to be like, I'm bigger than this. I'm a bigger person. So I'm going to still follow them and blah, 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 because I love and accept everyone. Like if you're constantly being triggered by someone. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. And we waste waste a lot of, you know, our time and energy on that. We waste a lot of just comparing ourselves. It's so, it's, it's just, I mean, you can't be anybody else. Like that's the, that's the bottom line. Like you can, you can wish for the money and the man or the girl and the, in the body and the, and all the things. And, you know, going back to where this, the, the thing changed from one reason our gym has done so well is because when we, we never wanted to open a gym, we always wanted to open a community. That was always our uh, mission statement in the beginning was that, you know, we, we didn't set out to open a gym. We set out to, to build a community. And so coming into our gym was a place where it didn't matter. I mean, we had like literally billionaires and the janitor who cleans the elementary school at night. And it was like, we don't care who you are. We don't care what you look like. We don't care how much money you make. This is a place where everyone can come and feel not and feel and not feel judged and feel safe. And, you know, I'd give these motivational speeches at the end and as a very like, Rah! and it's evolved over the last, you know, six or seven years. And now it's, you know, and now even becoming a mom and I'm 40 and I move different. And, and, you know, one thing is, and you were talking about changing your shoulds and, and I'm a big believer is when we task ourselves things. So if you're like, I have to work out, that's a task, right? And so of course you're not going to want to do it. It's like, I have to answer my emails. It's like, I hate answering emails, right? You, I mean, you know, how long does it take you? I'm like the worst at sitting down and doing computer stuff. But every time I say that, it makes it worse. Right. So if I'm like, oh, wow, I get to answer my emails right now. I'm going to set a timer for the next 30 minutes and I'm just going to focus on my emails. Okay. Wow. I got so many people that want to email me. That's, that's a bonus. And it's like working out. You know, I don't even call it working out anymore. It's, it's movement. And I'm like, five minutes is better than no minutes. I'm a mom now. There, I mean, I'm lucky, if, you know. And so I like on my Instagram, which I know you've seen every Monday, I do five minutes of movement. And it's like, okay, if this is all you've got today. Then do it. And it's not, just like you said, it's not, I have to work out and task it to yourself. It's like, oh, I get to move. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Oh, I get to move because it's going to change my energy and my mood. And, you know, we all get down. We all get sad. We all get frustrated. We all get paralyzed. It is okay to go there. It is not okay to stay there. And so, so often we do the things that make us feel worse as opposed to the things that make us feel better, i.e. drinking, i.e. binging i.e. shopping, where like, oh, if I just went and walked around the block and got sunlight, fresh air, and movement, bam, five minutes. Makes me feel way better. And that's where it's like changing the conversation, right? If when I started to gossip, if when I started to judge, if when I started to compare, I took a step back, name that voice in my head, not today, Terry. Wait, why am I doing this? Why am I thinking this? Oh, yeah. And then I get to change the conversation it changes everything around me. Yep, a thousand percent. And yeah, that's one of my main like mantras is about anything is any minutes is more than no minutes, whether that's movement for like work for even like working on my relationship lately, I would be like, Oh, I don't like my priorities are my kids and my like work because that brings me passion, like whatever. And now I'm like, Oh, I could have two minutes of meaningful conversation. Like it feels like, you know, like anything picking up the yeah. house, any minutes is two minutes. And I also like the idea of the naming that voice, because then also that can likely make us be less hard on ourselves because yeah it's like we get into like layering feelings on top of feelings like oh that's me judging I'm so net terrible and blah 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 but if you're like oh that's Sally you'd better shut up like (laughs) 
<laughs> like it can make it be easier to switch out of and not just feeling bad. And oh, I forgot too that I love that you brought up that thing about the first thought and the second thought. Because I think so often we are led to believe and told, well, if you feel that way, then that's the truth, right? Like, you know, when people will say things like in a moment of anger or this and it spits out of your mouth and you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean that. But like, oh, well, you must have meant it because, you know, like truth speaks and like yeah, that, yeah, that what it's happened is like, yeah, like if you think of that as that, that first thought, which can often be defensive and judgmental and angry, like the emotional thought is like what we're trained or is almost like a protective mechanism. And then when you stop that second thought, like, yeah, so a lot, like I think that's such an important thing to think about because again, we're so hard on ourselves. Like we're humans. We're always going to judge people, but you don't have to then believe those judgments. You can catch yourself on that. We're going to be hard on ourselves. Like our minds are made these certain ways that are going to lead to some self-torture, but you can get to choose different thoughts. You don't have to believe the first thought. <laughs> At one million percent. And like being so judgmental on others, but man, being so judgmental on ourselves. So hard. So brutal. And it's, you know, I, I bring up the kids a lot, but it's like, I mean, I, I, and again, I say this in almost every podcast because I think it's an important message. We would never wake up first thing in the morning, put our child on a scale, and say, okay, whatever number comes up, that's going to determine your self-worth today. That's going to tell you if you're going to have a good day, if you're beautiful, if you're fit, if you're worthy. We would never do that to a child. And yet as adult women, a lot of us do it every single morning. And it's a conversation that has to change. And as somebody who has been in the fitness industry for 20 years, losing weight is not a cure. It is not a cure for happiness accepting respecting and loving who you are is and i i can say that from every fiber in my bones and um you know i used to at the gym we used to weigh people in and out i mean i did six week programs we'd weigh you in the beginning we, and i would give this big speech about the scale does not define you it's not who you are it's how you feel it's how you know and and then i would be like okay now step into my room and let me weigh you in and i i again i i've had a lot of changes in my life and you know this just happened three years ago when I, I I had to change the conversation around food and body image and I've been trying to change it for a long time but I still had a, a lot of unlearning to do and so which I think as women we all do and um so that's it's it's a big one for me and so that voice is a huge part of my self-worth I'm, when that voice comes up and I get to say not today I'm like oh yeah that's all the stuff that's been ingrained. That's, that's what I need to unlearn and relearn. And now I get to change the platform for my children. And for all the people out there who you're affecting every day in your classes and your spheres too, because I'm guessing too, like when you stopped the, like, even though you were saying like, oh, you know, this isn't about your, your weight isn't your worth and all that, but then you're having them step on the scale. But I'm guessing that maybe what was keeping the scale in, in that was too, just because well, that's what we should do in the fitness and that people do like to see the number. So, well, if I take the scale out, but then they're the, am I going to lose people? Because that's what they want. They want to see that this is changing their lives in this, you know, measurement way. And so like, was that even a hard shift of being like, I want to throw the scale oh, out, yes. but I also need the scale because that's what the fitness industry is built on. <laughs> you literally, I mean, we still have people that are like, I wish you guys still did weigh-ins. Like, Absolutely. And for a long time, I was like, oh, my God, there's no and it was a selling point. Just like you said, like people love to they want to see the numbers. They want to, you know, you don't need a scale to tell you that you don't feel good. 
You don't need to need a scale to tell you that you're not living in alignment. How we eat is how we live. You eat, you're, you're eating messy because you're living messy. And I can say that it's not a judgmental. I can say that because I do that. And so, you know, and I have, like, I have gone through so much therapy. And uh, anyone listening to, I'm like the number one advocate of therapy. I think if the whole world, I think therapy should be mandatory. If everybody had to go to therapy, the world would be a different place. And yeah. And so when, you know, when we first did this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is never going to work. And then again, I had another, you know, shift and changing perspective is if this is authentically my purpose and my passion in life is to change this conversation, I can't be saying one thing and doing another. And so I, we did it. And it, I mean, yeah, we lost people, but it, it, it wasn't like, you know, it didn't, when, when you're following your true authentic passion, the right people are going to come. And if people left because I wasn't weighing them in, then I was never going to help them anyway. Yep, totally. Okay, I could talk to you about so many things, but let's I get... Know, I go for hours. <laughs> let's get to... So I sent you, uh, since we're doing this a different way, I sent, I texted you an image Uh-oh. of all um, the different keychains in my shop, and I have everybody pick, not necessarily which phrase they like the most, but which reminder they feel they need in their life right now and why. I love that. I know right away, because I had a bracelet made that said this. Um, I am here now. Oh, and why do you feel like that one? Um, because I think for a large part of my life, I wasn't here now. I was always like, I'm somebody who has a lot of energy and just, again, I lived a lot of my life for other people, like run chasing that validation and chasing that accolade. And, and I never even really stopped to like appreciate what was going on at the moment. And so I don't, I don't want to miss that anymore. And I true, I truly believe that it's all happening here now and we can't be focused on the outcome. If this COVID thing has taught us anything, oh my God, we have no idea what could happen ever, right? Like no matter what, anything can happen. And so it's like to waste my time being outside of where I am. You know, one time somebody told me, this is a beautiful analogy too, as somebody who prides themselves on being a multitasker, which I don't think I do well, but I just do a million different things at once, never really finishing anything because I just can't sit still. Um, but she said, you know, any, as women, we pride ourselves on being multitaskers and being able to do it all. But every time we do multitasking, we're splitting our energy. So we're never really focused on the thing we're doing. Like even if you're cooking and you're answering emails or checking your phone or trying to watch TV, you're actually missing the enjoyment of cooking the food. And I'm not a cook, but I'm like, that's a, that's a great analogy, right? When we're with our kids and we're like checking our emails and, you know, we're never really present with our kids. So it's a good reminder. I've drawn a lot of boundaries, especially being home with this, with this COVID is, you know, I'm like the boundary of like being with my kids and on my phone and trying to do all these things. And now I set timers, which is, this is like a tool that I use. I, if you've ever, if anybody's ever seen my Instagram, I do. I started with the 10 minute cleanup. Oh yeah. I, so love I that. hate cleaning. Yeah. And so after I have three year olds, there'll be three next month. I have three year old twins. And so, you know, after you put your kids to bed at night, you're so freaking tired. Like you don't want to do anything. You just like, that is the time you want to numb out. Like I just want to sit on the couch. I need 30 minutes to like do nothing, whether that's like check my phone, watch TV, just do nothing. And you like turn around and your house is a freaking mess. And you're like, Oh, so I started doing this where I set a timer for 10 minutes after I put the girls down and I clean up as fast as I can. And then I'm done. Anything after that, I can do it tomorrow. 
and it actually works really well. And so then I started flooding this into my life, like things that I don't necessarily love to do, like sitting at the computer. I'll set a timer for 30 minutes and say, okay, I'm going to answer my emails. I set an Instagram timer for an hour. I'm going to post, I'm going to reply, and then I'm going to answer all my messages. And so I'm creating these boundaries at night. My husband, I'm like, and we communicate, hey, I need 30 minutes to work on this. And then phone's off. It's in another room and it's just you and I. The girls, okay, if you're going to, I'll let them watch a movie while I cook. And then everything's off and we're together here now together. So creating these boundaries and being more present in every aspect of my life has actually made me a better mom and a better friend and a better wife and a better business partner. So it's been valuable. Yeah, I love that. And I love, um, I do that too, again, with the any minutes is no minutes. And like, yeah, the, I loved your 10 minute timer cleanup and stuff like that. Like these things that we usually don't that feel heavy that we'd like, oh, this is going to take forever. I don't want to do it. Even if it's like me, like writing, you know, like writing, it's the thing I most want to do, but also can feel the most resistant to if oh, I'm just like, that. right. If, so if I tell myself, I'll pick, you know, you know it's, whether it's okay, just five minutes or even when I'm like feeling like I, my body wants to move and, you know, like, but also I'm like, no, I don't want to. Like, okay, just 10 minutes, just 20 minutes. Like if I tell myself that and like, yeah, like give myself that chunk of time, then it's usually, you can do so much in so little time, but we make it be like, it's the end of the world. I can't do it. It's going to take forever to clean my house. And it's like, you can do so much in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Especially when you're here now and you go all in. And you're, yeah. yeah, you're just doing that and not like, let me scroll yeah. on my phone while I do this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I ask everybody to apply this phrase to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you, which every time I say it, I'm like, well, of course. But often, you know, we get into these habits or maybe it's a way your personality is or how you're raised or whatever. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is. Oh, that's a good one. Um, what is easiest for me is uh, being complacent. What's not best for me is being complacent. And what is that? How does that show up, being complacent? Um, like for me, I could, I mean, it's like the gym. So it's really easy for me to just show up and teach classes and run a gym. And I have an incredible, we have an incredible staff. Like I, I work with the most incredible people. And oh my gosh, I hope they stay forever. They're the most amazing I mean, truly, if anybody's listening and you're ever in Santa Barbara, please, please, please come to the gym and take a class. Um, and there's been a whole learning experience in that. You know, it was just me. And then when they came in and we have just created this incredible, incredible team. And it's easy for me to stand up there and give it my all. And now that I'm teaching less classes and backing away from the gym, everybody else is rising to their full potential. And so it's really hard for me to step back from that because it's like my first baby and it's, it's, it's my love. And I, but to see the team grow and everybody step into their full potential and now me kind of venture off into this book and public speaking. And it's almost like I'm starting a new business. It's really difficult. And a lot of my, you know, um, I heard this one time, new level, new devil, or uh, yeah, new level, new devil. So every time you level up, all your shit comes up. Right. So like the whole thing of like, Oh my God, all the same stuff when I was talking about 19 and being in scared, that shit's got, I'm like, are you serious? I'm eight years sober. I've done all this therapy. And like you said, you know, like I'm still got to do all this work. Absolutely. Because anytime we transition, anytime we level up, our stuff's going to come up. So it's really easy for me to just, you know, I could go to the gym and be that person and take over. And, but that's, 
that's actually not what I meant to do. And that's not what my team needs. And that's not what any of us need. And so it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And just, I got to say, I, I hope everybody, if you're ever in Santa Barbara, you get to come experience it. But to watch these humans, I mean, they're better teachers than I am. They're, they're incredible. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And like, yeah, it's so fucking true. We think like, oh, once we did this or do all this work, then it's good. But usually it's like when the big things happen in life, then it all comes back up, whether it's like, oh, then you like fall in love and all your shit back shows. Oh, you get a raise. You get the job you always wanted. You got the opportunity you always wanted. Then it's like, you know, you would think like, oh, see, I've done all this work and it finally happened. I'm free. Like, nope. Here comes the storm to shift through it all again and again and again and climb up. So true. (laughs) So true. <laughs> and it's too, it's, you know, a big part of this is kind of like sidebar shifting, but I, I would say it's like in relating to like body image stuff is, you know, so often, this is a, a with the here now too, it's like so often, like we say we want all these things, but even when we're there, we don't recognize it, right? So it's like, it's, I would tell people like, oh, people who say like, which we've all said, like, and, and I, just so it's clear, I say these things and I can say them because I've said them in my life. Like, that's why I've been there. That's, you know, I'm not saying this as a judgmental thing. I'm saying it's because I've been there and I still am unlearning this stuff. And, but it's like, you know, anyways, it's like, oh, if I, if I just got to, you know, one, 135, then I'd be happy. And it's like, even when you hit your goal weight, most of the time you don't even recognize it. We all have that picture of ourselves that we look at now and are like, you know, from 20 years ago. And you're like, oh my God, look at how amazing I look. What was I thinking? And you think back and you're like, you didn't appreciate your body then. So you think just by losing the weight, you're going to appreciate it now. And that kind of goes into everything, right? Like we want these things and we, and we ask the universe for these or we're working towards these things. But when we're not here now, it bypasses us. And so we've got to recognize like, oh my gosh, yeah, I did that. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Oh my gosh. Now, yeah, I get to level up. Oh yeah, I get to change this. I get to do this. Oh, this is what I meant to do. So, you know, also recognizing the positive things we've done in our life are going to push us forward. Sidebar on that a little. Yep. All good. Um, that's that's me all the time. <laughs> like my podcasts are always like. <laughs> but yeah, and that's also the reason I'm sharing all this is like, you know, and that I'm always like bringing up like, oh, that can seem like depressing. Like, oh, well, we're just going to have to keep facing this shit forever. But the reason I have these conversations with people in the point, and that's why the podcast is called Claim It, is like, because I'm hoping that at home, if you're listening, then it's seeing like everybody has shit. You have shit. You're no different than it's that. And it's not like it's going to get better once you do this. And that my hope is that that inspires you to be like, oh, look, everybody is struggling with these same things that look different. And so like you just got to like face it and you got to love yourself. You got to give yourself so much compassion and keep doing it over and over and over and over again. It's like I can feel like I can sometimes by highlighting this stuff like, oh, by the way, it's like never going to get easier. It does. You get faster and faster at seeing the shit and transforming it and being like, this is my thought. What do I want to believe? But yeah, it's going to keep coming up for all of us. Absolutely. And it's, you know, and it is, it's not, it's, I mean, we're all going to fall. It's just, like you said, you get up quicker and you recover faster. And you're like, oh yeah. All right. And the last question is the name of the podcast is Claim It, which we've, yeah, like, yeah, your feelings of being enough, worth, success, fulfillment, whatever it is are not out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this, then I'll feel that forever and ever. You'll feel it a little bit, but then you're usually on to the next, searching for it somewhere else. So what are you claiming for yourself? right now oh i love that um i well two things i'm claiming here now i love that so yes 
And I am claiming that I am on a mission to help women change the conversation on body image, self-worth, and movement. I'm here to help women feel good about themselves and live the life they want to, not the life they think they should. Yay. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing this everything. This has been so fun. <laughs> All right. I hope you loved Jenny, her honesty, her energy. You can go find all things her at Jenny Schatzel on Instagram and her website. I will have the links in the show notes to make sure you are spelling that right. You can just go ahead and click from there. Full show notes, links to everything we mentioned are at yourjoyologist.com slash podcast. And then you'll find all the episodes and all the notes for each episode there. And um, yeah, all things me, yourjoyologist.com. And I'm at your joyologist on all things social media. Feel free to DM me. Let me know you listened, what your favorite parts were. And I love when you share the episodes with your friends, with your followers, all that jazz. And I really would appreciate if you subscribe, if you haven't already. And if you want to leave a review in the Apple podcast area, especially, that not only means a lot to me telling me why you listen, what you get from it, where you found me, all the things, but also it helps the podcast get more found so we can have new listeners and people considering how they are approaching their life and nudging them to claim their joy, claim their worth, claim their enoughness right now. And if you do go leave a review, screenshot it and send it to me at podcast at yourdualogist.com and I'll send you a little gift from my product line. All right. So let's think. Oh, I, of course, will have a, a link to Jenny's book in the show notes, too. And um, final thought. Thinking about owning your awesome. You know, that's the name of my affirmation deck and my affirmation app, daily inspiration app. Own your awesome. So just sit here for a minute right now and think about yourself. Owning who you are owning who you are fully. Allow yourself to shine. Acknowledge yourself. See that by you owning yourself, owning who you are, it is creating a space for other people to step into owning themselves and owning their own awesome. You know it. You know you see somebody walking around that just feels so comfortable in their skin. It's not like, you know, not like you're you're like rubbing people the wrong way. Look at me, I'm better than you. No, it's just you're so grounded in who you are. You can feel that. Other people can feel that. They are inspired by that. They are attracted to that. And they will want that more and more for themselves when they see it in you. So own your awesome. Look at yourself right now and own who you are. Acknowledge yourself right here. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Again share, send me a DM, and I'll hopefully see you in social media or keep on listening to some other awesome episodes.